hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $499 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Brandy Taylor. Hello, 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 beautiful souls. Am I ever excited to bring you today's guest? Oh. His name is Alain Hunkin. And he is currently in the Netherlands, but he's from New York. He is such an incredibly beautiful soul. And let me tell you, he's just come off the launch of his new book, Cracking the Leadership Code, where he really digs into what it means to be a leader in today's world. Our conversation today really wraps your mind around what it means for you to be your whole, most amazing, true, beautiful, unapologetic, authentic self, and what that means in leadership, and how it takes a lot of strength to be a leader from this space. I am so excited to bring you this conversation today. Honestly, I am lit up, lit up, because it's moments like this that remind me how important it is to be leaders in our lives, to be leaders with our kids, to be leaders with our friends, to be leaders and inspire others to really expand and be their authentic self. Because when we are in our 100%, our 80, our 90% self, the true self, not the ego, not the one lying, not all of the stories, not all of the I shoulda, coulda, wouldas, not all of the, but you said this and I need to be this. No, the true self. When we are inspired to bring that out of others, we give some of the most spectacular gifts anyone can ever receive. You give them permission to be themselves unapologetically when you come show up as your unapologetic self. Leaders inspire others to grow. And we all have that in us. And we all can learn to be better leaders. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So without further ado, welcome to today's show on leadership. I want to welcome you to Fear It Goes, Alain. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Brandy. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm really excited for our conversation. I love that you call this a conversation because that's what I always want to bring to the audience here is just a conversation, something that they feel like they're a part of and really move them forward from a place of ease and not something so formal. I, I love that we had such an interesting conversation right off the bat yeah, and that we get to bring people into that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny you were talking about bringing people from a place of ease 
you know, I love the, the word facilitate, you know, comes from the French facile to make things easier. And I'm a big believer around that great leaders, great coaches, we are facilitators. We're all about helping people to do things in an easier way. I totally agree. So back years ago, I was in finance. And back then, I used to take very complex concepts and make them very easy. And I think there is a gift to be given when we can facilitate something like that. I love that word too, actually, it's funny. When we can actually offer that to someone and those aha moments that they discover on their own, because those ideas are the ones that stick. So giving people tools are amazing in comparison to giving people answers, right? Oh, yeah, completely, yeah. Yeah, and I love that your book is about leadership. And I think Mads and I kind of talked about this and there was an introduction with someone else that we, we now mutually know, but we were talking about the difference between management and leadership. And he feels there's this big overlap where I feel that there's a very different approach. Managers tend to be the answer givers. Mm-hmm. And um, where leaders tend to guide you into really incredible answers and help you elevate. I think that's a big difference and distinction we see today, even in the corporate world. I agree. You know, it's interesting because to me, managers and leaders, it isn't some mutually exclusive thing. Oh, I'm a manager. I'm not a leader. I'm a leader. I'm not a manager. The fact is, ideally, is we need to be able to do both. I think all of us be able to embrace the paradox in that management in a lot of ways, if we're in any kind of organization, which frankly, anytime you're with somebody else, you have to organize. So we're all in organizations um, that you need some kind of a structure and you need some kind of a process to deliver some kind of a predictable output. And that takes management. You need to manage the process to get there. So I'm a big believer that we want to manage things and manage processes. However, the people side is what needs to be led because you don't really manage people, you lead them. And the way you do that is you first connect with them and you build strong working relationships based on ideally empathy and credibility. Then you communicate where you can create shared understanding. And then once you have that platform of shared understanding, then you can collaborate and create an environment where people can do their best work as well as be at their best while they're doing it. So for me, that's ultimately what we all want to do, whatever our title is. Because to me, leadership is not a job title. It's not something that you put on your business card. It's a relationship between two people. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're in the people business because you're working with people. Totally agree. And you're always, always building relationships regardless of what type of relationship that is. Whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship, there are so many overlapping dynamics that flow through from one to another. I think often too about when we move into a corporate setting or when we're in an office setting and there are difficulties there. It's usually because there's difficulties somewhere else. It will overflow into any relationship in your life. And when you correct the problem, wherever it may lie, all relationships will clear up. This yeah. is what I find because it's a viewpoint. It's a really interesting way to think about it. You know, when I think about the fact that you, wherever you go, there you are, right? So if I have challenges yeah. in myself, and I always say that, you know, all leadership development is personal development because mm-hmm. how I approach anyone is how I approach everyone. 
And so what do I do moving into those relationships? I think what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of people still, even here we are in 2020, a lot of people still, when they go through the door, whether it's the metaphoric or the literal door of the office, yep. they put on a mask. They put on this facade because on a certain level, they don't think it's okay to be themselves. They don't think it's okay to bring their whole selves to work because somehow they've got that old indoctrinated industrial age mindset that dates back multiple generations now. You've got to check your feelings at the door. You can't be who you are. And so for one thing, and you see it all the time in workplaces, is we are, for the most part, massively conflict avoidant. I mean, it's amazing the hoops we will jump through to avoid having an honest, candid conversation with somebody else. And yet, we spend so much time in the hallway meeting after the meeting. And well, what do you think? And the gossip and the pettiness and <laughs> politicking and the silos and the turf wars because we can't look. If you're, if you stop and think about it, if you've in any kind of significant relationship with a spouse or partner or family member that you work through, you're going to butt heads over time uh, yeah. at some point. And the, that isn't a bad thing. It's how do you respond to the fact that you're going to butt heads? Do you have tools and skills and are you committed to working through that stuff as opposed to oh ignoring i can't bring it. it up here ignoring it or i'll just go look for another job you know I mean, or i'll just look for another spouse yeah there's that too exactly which is like <laughs> wherever you go there you are marriage two marriage three marriage four <laughs> whatever that might be because oh you st- that's so sad that's so true <laughs> or true. i'm gonna move to another city because this one's broken It's not. It's something in you that needs to be resolved. It's the way that you are perceiving. And it's funny that you said respond. I I find in general, this is a generalization, but a lot, a lot of people are very reactive, not responsive. There is no time to sit back and take a look at the situation for what it is. Instead, I'm reacting from something I've experienced before. Therefore, it is now. No, it is not now. You're taking your past and moving it into the present. That's reaction. And instead, we need to take a moment and look at the situation. This leads me to the concepts between assessment and judgment. And I think there's a massive difference between assessment and judgment. Assessment is a necessity. We do this for safety. We do this to be able to move forward. We do this for many reasons, but judgment is different. Judgment comes from a different place altogether. I'm not judging a scenario without emotional attachment to it. Some sort of skewed lens, that's judgment. But if I'm assessing something, I'm looking at facts. So I can assess anything. You know, I had a car accident. I had a car accident. The cars hit, they collided, the light was green, whatever the facts were of this situation. Instead of that person was blind, they blah, 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 and I'm super upset. And that's a judgment. And when we're looking at any scenario from a judgment space, a reactionary space, it's skewed. Yeah, so skewed. And what's amazing is, you know, what you just described is what uh, a guy named Chris Argis, you might be familiar with his work, he calls it the ladder of inference, where we climb up inferences, where first is, like you said, assessment is the observable right. facts, the data. Right. But that, then of course, we don't just live, as humans, we don't just live at the level of data. We quickly put meaning around the data, and then we <laughs> add, add some emotions to that, and we start to draw some conclusions, right. and then we take action. 
for most people, most of the time, we climb up that ladder in a microsecond. We don't even right. know that we've done it, which means we can't differentiate the facts from yeah. our responses to them, which means we're stuck in it, which means all we have left is impulse and like you yeah. said, re react. Whereas I think so much of the role of a leader, and when I say leader, I'm not talking about a job title again, I'm talking yeah. about a way to influence others and yourself, it's that willingness to pause and that's a cultivated practice. So over it time you can, you can learn how to practice, you can get to the point where you can pause in a moment as opposed to, I need to think about this for a day. I mean, maybe I need a day. But the idea is that if I'm pausing, then I can come with this point of view of intentionality. What's my intention here? Right. Because that to me is the difference, right? Responsibility is around intentionality, whereas reacting is just impulse and I'm just in it. And that's like you said, that driver cut me off. That's what it is. And right. that skill and that muscle to develop comes from having some kind of self-reflective practice that you have in your life. Right. Otherwise, you won't develop it. How could you? Um, I find it also comes from an awareness within yourself, catching yourself, which these are life skills that people need, like yes. truly, truly need. And there's a lot of life skills that have not been taught. And there's a lot of skills that you need on a daily basis that have not been taught, which is really sad. I think that there's parts of our education system which could incorporate this to have much better human beings on this planet. But that awareness of catching yourself, like I was thinking about this yesterday, the cheerleader within us or the villain within us, right? Those moments when your thoughts come in and they're just annihilating you. They are truly your nemesis. They're like the negative thoughts that roll through us and why they do. And it's truly, honestly, it's all about survival. We are very, very much evolved, but still not. And when you become aware, you get to recognize how your mind is actually really working with you or against you and how to train it to work with you. We have an incredible developed brain that functions really well when we allow it to. <laughs> but when we move back into the rear brain, we are not working from a space of creativity and solutions and full opportunity thoughts. We are working very much from a space of survival and that is limiting and smothering and good leaders are able to absolutely draw themselves back for a moment, take a breath and think, what is this doing for me? So I'm thinking this yesterday, this thought comes in and, it, and immediately my initial thought right after was, it's about time. And then I went, hmm, what would my best friend say here? They wouldn't say it's about time. They'd be like, whatever. Good for you. Yay. <laughs> right? The inner yeah. cheerleader. And yeah. which brain is coming forward at each of those moments? The one that wants to keep you in. And when I say survival, it keeps you in the known, right? That's, that's protection all the way. Keeps you in the known. Keeps you small. Keeps you playing as a part of you. It takes you into the office, talking at the water cooler about your coworker instead of yes. really, really sitting back, going, "Is this really valid? Is this, or do I need to have a conversation with this person? Or what do I really want out of this?" Instead of just being reactionary and coming at it from this place of smallness, we are these giants. We are these incredible giants often coming in our life from 50% instead of this incredibly powerful 100% authenticity, even 80, 90% would be spectacular, but that's not what we're doing. 
because we haven't been trained to do that. So let's talk about your book. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about your book because I'm excited. (laughs) So your book is all about leadership. It is. Yeah. It's called Cracking the Leadership Code, the three secrets to building strong leaders, which are connection, communication, and collaboration. Yeah. It's all about It's all about leadership. And it's so interesting because what you talked about just now, which I loved how you talked about this need for self-awareness. And the fact is, I like to say that all of us as Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Leaders are CEOs. That is, we are chief energy officers. <gasps> oh and, my and, God, I love that. <laughs> right? and, and, and recognizing that in some ways, the primary role of a leader, either for ourselves or for others, first and foremost, is we need to calm our central nervous system down so that oh we can- Oh my God, so right? true. Yes, yes. Right? So we have to do that first, right? And the thing is, if we're in this busy, busy, gotta go, get things on my task list, done, check it off the list. Yep. We're not, we're in that reactive impulsive mode. So the first thing is the metacognition to go, what's going on here, right? Thinking, again, metacognition, that thinking about thinking, because people have asked me like, so why why do we need another leadership book? There are 60,000 leadership books out there. Why do we need another one? It's like, well, here's the thing. Like the research says that only 23% of leaders lead well. So clearly it isn't for a lack of books. It's more of a question of what is going to, inspire you to take action because the fact is whether it's my book or someone else's book it's got to be something that's going to engage you because look no one and nothing is going to change you except you and so for me just based on 20 years of experience i having worked as an adult educator i know how people learn and the first thing is we need to be engaged so the book's got to be entertaining it needs to have stories that people can relate to it's got to take concepts and not make them too overly complex, but keep them simple. And then it has to break everything down into really simple behavioral steps that people can say, yeah, I can try one of those or two I can of those. I do that. Yeah. I can do that. Like, like I say around habit formation, like don't floss your entire mouth, but just floss one tooth. Can you commit to <laughs> one tooth? You know, it's the same idea. So that's what I did. I just took these concepts of connection, communication, collaboration, and I broke them down and I put them back together again by taking a look at what can we do to become better leaders? And even before we get into the tools, I really wanted to help people look at what is your mindset towards leadership? Because unfortunately, so many of us are leading based on a playbook that was handed down to us that is now 130 years old that comes from the dawn of the industrial age. That was focused, it it was focused on command and control which we've all heard that phrase, command and control leadership. But the thing is why it worked to the level it did was because 95% of the workforce was doing repetitive manual labor on an assembly line. Right. So you could get away with that when, as Henry Ford, the founder of Ford Motor Company, famously said about his workforce, why is it every time I want a pair of hands, they come with a brain attached? Right? That, was, that was the world back then. Rockefeller um, where- said something very similar too. 
Yeah, because they weren't, literally it was management and leadership was the brains and workers were the brawn. Yeah, so I did some research into this and I found this biography of the father of scientific management named Frederick Winslow Taylor. And literally he says things like, the ideal worker should have a mental makeup that resembles the ox mainly. I mean, that was literally in his book. And by the way, the book, and it's called Principles of Scientific Management, it's published in 1911. That book became the primary textbook and source material for when they opened the Harvard Business School a few years later. And so Taylor's philosophy has influenced generations of managers as they got on, you know, in large organizations. And so we wonder why we do what we do, because this culture, we've been seeped in it for over a century. And change is slow unless it's conscious and intentional. Right. And so that's one of the, the challenges. Now, of course, the, the silver lining in this coronavirus pandemic, if we can find one, is, is one of my friends said to me, he said, I'm jealous of the coronavirus. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've worked as a change consultant for years. This virus is done in just a few weeks, what I've been trying to do for decades. And it's true. It and is, because it's instant. It's instant. No and so choice. The hope, the hope is that we can use some of this time where we press pause and really question and challenge what we've been doing and going, how is that really working? And how is it not working? And are we right. willing to make some changes as opposed to trying to go back to some quote unquote normal, right? Because we're going to have to change. And, and there's a real opportunity in terms of the changes that we make. Massive opportunity right now. There's so much opportunity right now. It's funny, actually, I found that this time has strengthened the relationships I have, not weakened them. Um, I'm, a, I'm a single parent with two boys. And I'm telling you, this has been one of the best gifts as much as there are moments that are very trying, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we've had some of the most incredibly powerful conversations and in like in depth. And I don't know, we've had this really beautiful moment in time to bond on a level I never thought I could have with my young guys. But I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for this. And the relationships I have, it makes you really appreciate what you have. I, for me anyways, this time has been as much as I've had moments where I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of this house. I'm going crazy. But I was saying to you, I, I'm in Alberta. I'm right beside the Rocky Mountains and they're stunning. And Alberta is a beautiful province with mountains all over. And we have basically every geological um, experience here except for the ocean. Oh, so yeah. we, we have an absolutely stunning province and you take it for granted. Like we're out walking and I'm, I'm like, wow, you can see the mountains today. They're so pretty. And the city is alive and people are moving around and yeah, they're socially distanced, but they're moving around and there's life. And you forget when you're in your hustle and bustle and that, you know, the busy and the unawareness of all the things happening around you and all the opportunities that come with it. Yeah. I, th- I think great leaders are those that are, that are self-aware. Really great leaders are self-aware because there's no concept of, there's no concept of you're going to surpass me, therefore I must squash you. <laughs> no, right? no, Management, exactly. 
or, or and I, I guess I should distinguish this because I think maybe that's the evolution of the corporate world now. And there's still, there's still some pushback on this, but the evolution of the corporate world right now is that change from management styles, which you were just mm -hmm. referring to, you know, yeah. which is really sad, to a leader who wants to help you grow and who encourages you to find the solutions and to create this experience that connects you to the same mission that everyone is on within that corporation, yeah. the goal of the corporation, and to be a part of it. Because really, ultimately, that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to be connected in all things we do, whether we think it or not. That's our driver. And when we feel unfulfilled at work or in the corporate setting, it's usually because we don't feel like we're being valued. We don't feel like we're connecting. We don't feel like there's something there that's driving us for the bigger goal that makes us all one. Yeah. Yeah. I've certainly seen that. And it's interesting because I've done work with leadership teams and helping them come up with a, a mission or a purpose. Mm -hmm. And you, you'll love this story. So I was working with a group and I I had told them that we were going to spend a couple of days to work through this process and we were going to get a bunch of stakeholders to really work through it organically. And one of the senior people on the team stopped and said, can't we just bang this puppy out in a couple of hours? Literally, those were his words. I like yeah. bang this puppy. <laughs> I was like, let's come up with a vision. I'm like, let's drill this down. I'm like, thank you. Thanks so much for that. And you know, it's just so interesting because you, you talk to a lot of people in organizations where there is no purpose. Like, what's your, what's your reason for being? And they come up with something like increased you know, shareholder value. We're all about maximizing shareholder return. Like, great. So basically, it's about making money. Is that right? Yes, it's about that. So he said, great. So why are you in the business? Why don't you just start selling cocaine? Like, what, what do you mean? It's like the profit margins yes. are higher. Like if you have no values and you have no, if that's your goal, yep. there's a lot quicker ways to do it. And they're like, no, that's not. Well, then figure out what it is. The fact is every single job on this planet has value if you can figure out how it connects to other people. Totally. And I think- this is the issue, I mean, an issue, a big issue that we face is we have so many people who have been trained and educated since they were five years old to become really good analysts and problem solvers. And the problem with that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a good analyst and a good problem solver unless it narrows your vision, right, to the point where all you see are problems and all you see is analysis that needs to be done. And so while that's a great skill, what we need to have, and this is where I think leadership comes in, is yes, analyze, but then synthesize, integrate, show people how things connect. And I think more than anything else, right now we need leaders who can facilitate to connect people from disparate strands and different ideas and hold space so that the best ideas come forward. Right. Be because the fact is so much of that brain power analysis is going to go to artificial intelligence and computer programs. So much of it has already, right? right? So what, what's left for the rest of us? Essentially, it's the human work of critical thinking and building relationships yep. and, calming, and calming the central nervous systems down of people so they can come up with brilliant new ideas and then figure out which of those ideas we should start to implement. And that's what the work is about. And so whether it's through connection and communication and collaboration, that's the work of leadership. And... It's funny, it's not complicated, but it's not easy because to practice it, as you said, it starts with self-awareness. 
And, you know, self-awareness is considered the, the baseline of emotional intelligence. The other thing that self-awareness <laughs> is so critical Love for. You just said that. The, the other thing that self-awareness is so critical for is without self-awareness, how can you develop conscious competence? You can't repeat what you do well. You might do it well sometimes, but you don't know what it is. So you need to develop a self-awareness mindset so that you can replicate that and you can do things on cue, on demand, in order to be, as we said earlier, intentional and not just the accidental leader. Of course. Oh, love this. is so juicy. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'd never actually heard someone say this before, but it's a, it, as soon as you said it, it was such a true statement about leadership is really about personal development. Yes. Great leaders are really self-aware. EQ is, oh my God, EQ is so important in the world today. And yet it's still something we struggle so much with. EQ is emotional intelligence. And honestly, there is, I've used this word a lot today in our conversation, but there's such power that comes from that emotional awareness because emotions can drive us all over the place and really prevent us from being our best in any scenario. Not only can they drive us all over the place, they do. They do. are the pri right? They, right? They are the yeah. primary driver of what makes us do anything. In fact, the yes. biggest motivating cause of human behavior is basically we're trying to avoid discomfort right. on some level. We keep looking for states where we are not discomfortable, right? uncomfortable. We have to move over that. And so, yeah, as you talk about this emotional intelligence, it's, it's, it's the recognition that's where it all starts. And I mean, I always come back to this. I'm sure you know the quote from Maya Angelou who says, people won't remember what you did. They won't remember what you said, but they will remember how you yeah. made them feel. Which it's is true. So, but so everything, true. everything moves us through how we feel. I like this, therefore I'm going to go seek it out again. I don't like this, therefore I'm not. Or yeah. there's the, it's funny when there's the juxtaposition of the two in the same, right? So I really don't like this. I like this, but this hurts more. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some very interesting scenarios in large, large corps where there is still such a management yeah. mindset. And it's, you do this and you why aren't you doing this? And, and there's a belittlement within it. Mm -hmm. And then I've been, I've also seen the other side where the leadership is so incredible. And I will say, so it's been a very, very long time since I've actually had a role as an employee. But um, the last role I had as an employee, I, I'll never forget this. My manager, my boss, whatever, he was high up. And I was very fortunate in that role. It was a really great role. Um, I was a business development manager, so it was lovely. Um, had a lot of freedom. But he had said to me at one point, we were talking about if you surpass me. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful concept for anyone to know that they have the freedom to reach and expand and contribute on a level like that in an organization. Yeah. I, I love how you said that about should you surpass me? Because let's face it, 
if you think about, you talked about your kids before. I mean, wouldn't you want your kids to surpass you? I hope in, so. In every way. I mean, it's, I think we, we look at it on the family systems level. We go, well, of course, you know, I want my kids to have a better life than I did. Right. And it's funny because to me, leadership and parenting aren't that far apart. Oh my and, God, are they and, ever, and, <laughs> are they and, ever close? <laughs> and the word that, it's funny because in the corporate world, we don't like to use this word, but it completely applies, which is love. Do you ah. love the people that you lead? Yes. You know, and I'm, I work with colleagues who are really working to create this humans first movement of let's put the heart into people because if people, again, it goes back to calming the central nervous system. Yep. If people can be seen, recognized and valued and loved, yep. just think about what you will do for people who love exactly. you. I mean, you will bend over backwards. I mean, it's interesting because I think about I, I'm a dad of two. My son is 16 and my daughter's 13. But I remember vividly, vividly when my son must have been, you know, in that six to eight month range, you know, one of those overnight, he's awake and I'm bouncing him on the bouncy ball. And I was just thinking about it, trying to get him back to sleep in the middle of the night and he's crying and crying. And I realized this moment is so not about me, right? It's so not about me. It's about him and how I feel right now. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. All I know is I love this little being and I want to help take care of him. And, you know, as I looked in my research around leadership, whether it was through connection, communication, and collaboration, the overarching theme for great leaders, it's not about you. It's about the people you lead. Oh my right? God. Yes. <laughs> because one of the things I remember is that people said, what's the biggest difference about becoming a parent? I said, well, you know, when my son was born, I got firmly booted out of the myth that I was the center of the universe because I was able to live that myth out for, for me, it was 36 years until he was born. And then I was like, wow, I was never there all along. I thought I was, it was just my ego talking, but uh, realizing it was my ego that like, I'm important. This is important. I have to do this. Everything has to be around me. And I sort of saw the world through that egocentric lens. Thank God that boy came along to teach me a lesson. And so I just oh, share he's that. He's taught you many, I'm sure. You know, he's taught me a ton of lessons. Yeah. So realizing that what if we could love the people that we work with and actually realizing that leading them is serving them, much in the way getting up and bouncing my son at three in the morning, that's service. And you know what? It doesn't matter how I feel, but in the long term and in the big picture, going back to synthesis and integration. Yep. That's what needs to happen right now. That's what's the priority. That's what's most important. That is actually me living truer to my values because my care and concern for somebody else is more important than my uninterrupted sleep right now. <laughs> and so it's a question of reprioritizing. You know, we can, you know, you get the job, you get the promotion, you get the bonus and salary, but are you willing to take the hits for what that means? You know, and when I say the hits, are you willing to sacrifice what's not as important? for what truly matters. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. I often think that my children give me way more than I give them, and I feel like I give them a lot. Yeah. We talk about awareness all the time. We talk about thoughts. We, we have discussions that I'm positive their friends' parents don't have with them. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad for it. Um, but you were saying, you know, not just there there is this viewpoint and there's a few there's a few things here um one 
you talk about the nervous systems, and this is really, really powerful, important stuff to understand. One, we can change our state of being our, from one nervous system to another very, very quickly. One's responsive, one's reactive, one's, one's survival, one is thriving. So there is a big, big difference with the way that your mind is working in both these scenarios, and you want to move from, from a reactionary state physically and mentally into a very progressive state of being, and you have all that power within you. So uh, moving out of one nervous system into the other, it honestly, can be as simple as breath. Exactly. And for those geeky people out there, that's moving from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic yep. nervous system. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I love that. Um, very, very true. Very true. Um, so there's that. And honestly, when people say just breathe, <laughs> my kids and I have this conversation all the time when it's heated, when someone's yeah. gotten angry, and I'm like, all yeah. right, we're going to do a little box breath here. We're going to do a little Ujjayi breathing here. <laughs> like, yeah. But there is something so powerful in just breathing, taking deep, deep breaths and really switching nervous systems because you it's like bringing a system back online. You're going from something that's in default and that's corrupt into a system that's now firing at all cylinders. Yeah. And you're again, you have capacity to move very easily through it instead of being stuck in it. So. Um, switching nervous systems is very, very important. But it's interesting when you say that about, it's not about you, it's, it's about it's service to all. This is what I find. Our service to all comes from us being whole. Yeah. So the closer to authenticity, the closer to our full, true, honest, higher self, and the, there's many terms people use for this, yeah. but the closer we are to our true self, the more we perceive the world through the eyes of you are on your journey, I am on mine. There's forgiveness in that. There's an understanding that I can, I can help this situation or I can hurt it. I can escalate it or I can improve it. And it's in my approach to things. So with you and your son in that moment, you could have escalated it in your own mind mm -hmm. in that moment. It could have been something completely different. It could have been a horrible experience. Instead, you got to experience the joy of being in that moment with him in his need. Yeah. And being able to give him what he needed. What a gift. What a gift. However, there is always this too. That awareness brings me to, so I'm in the midst of writing a book. Um, I published a few years ago in another book, and this one's, uh, it, it will cover a lot more than that did. Um, but the book is called, It's All About You, Baby. How yeah. to Live Your Authentic Self in an, in an Inauthentic World. Yeah. Because we get caught up in the ego and the ego is lacking. It's always lacking. Mm -hmm. It's always looking for, it's creating scenarios that are not necessarily helpful <laughs> based on survival. Yeah. Based on survival. So when we experience a moment like you did with your son and it's frustrating and I'm tired and the key there is to look at what's in it for you in that moment. Why am I frustrated? Why am I, why am I experiencing this? Yes, I'm tired, but it's not about that. It's, because, it's about what you're focused on. 
instead of, again, seeing the gift that you had the opportunity to experience there with him, to serve him in a way that he needed, and to give that to someone, that's from wholeness. We do that when we feel complete ourselves because it's unconditional. Yeah. When we're not in that state of wholeness, when we're not our authentic selves, when we're not 100%, when we're in the 50, right? Yeah. When we're in that 50%, I'm lacking. I need you to fill it. Oh, completely, completely. You know, it's interesting you're talking about this because I was just doing some writing around accountability earlier <laughs> earlier today, yeah. um, which, which is, and this actually is related to what you're just talking about because, mm -hmm. you know, basically I like to define accountability. I, I use the, the analogy from where does it come from? The definition of accountability comes from the field of accounting, right? So yeah. think about in, in accounting, there's a balance <laughs> sheet, there's assets and liabilities and the two sides have to be in account to balance. Yeah. Well, if you take it out of the world of accounting and into the world of leadership, on the one side, you have what I say I'm going to do. On the other side is what I actually do or what I deliver on. And right. so I'm accountable when I follow through and do what I say I'm going to do. I'm accountable. And it's interesting to me. So that, that's a basic understanding of accountability. Why I wanted to bring it up with you just now, Brandy, is because I find it's so much easier to do the things that I say I'm going to do if those things reflect my core values. Yes, because that's right? key. Because that's Cause your drivers. Key. Because <laughs> otherwise, which is what you're talking about. Because otherwise, I have this whole list of stuff that basically somebody else is saying I should be doing. And then I look at that list and I'm going, I don't really want to, you know, it's really hard to be a, to follow through on your commitments when you're not committed to them in the first place. And you're just basically taking somebody else's to-do list because again, it goes back to the ego. I should do this. I think mm -hmm. if I do this, then I'll get somewhere. Right. And you know, my hope that's, is that that's conditional. What you just said is all about conditions. Yeah. I'm good all, enough if. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which means, and, and that's a hole that you really can't fill up. And I hope that some, you know, the listeners here, you know, right now we're in like week eight or nine or 10 of coronavirus <laughs> lockdown, but my player. hope, whatever it is, <laughs> my hope is that, you know, this pressing pause moment gives you a chance to stop enough to reflect and become a bit more self-aware of what's really important because this is an opportunity where literally life and death is fish is is staring us all in the face right now to a yeah. certain extent and to go you know what are you going to take with you when this whole life is done and you've got whether it's a year five years 10 years 30 years what are you going to do with the time that you're incarnate in this body now because you have some choices and now is a time to see if can you align the values that you say you have with your calendar and with your checkbook for that matter too. Are you spending your money on what's important? Are you spending your time on what's important? Are uh, you doing it with the people that are important to you? Spending so, isn't just around finance. You're right, no, time is no. very valuable. It's so funny, I literally just wrote like my newsletter about exactly what you're talking about, about values and beliefs and I call them original meanings because that time period from when we're like six months in the womb to the to about seven we're in full-on development creating the meanings around our world we have no concept of what this world means and it's very rudimentary the way that we place these meanings so we have these core beliefs these original meanings that carry forward and then that's our actions that's yeah. our actions so majority of your actions are subconscious and you don't even know why you're doing the things you do and it's yeah. so key, key, key to get in touch with these original meanings, these original programs. Think of yourself like a computer. If you're an old Macintosh and you're trying to run new systems, 
it ain't working. There's a conflict. You have to reprogram or that system doesn't work. And you look at your life and it's the same thing. Why isn't this working? Why is this repeating? Why do I keep having the same shitty relationship? Or, you know, job after job after job that's not working? Or what is it? And the key is to ask yourself the deeper meanings without the judgment attached, because that's just all junk. That's yeah. all junk, keeping you small. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting about that's all junk, keeping you small, because... You know, if we can get that distance from ourselves, which again, that's the self-awareness piece back to that. Yep. We need some distance. And that's so that if training. We, so if we, if we look at the balance sheet of what I say, what I do, and if they're not an account, realizing, yeah, the shame, the blame, the guilt, that's all optional. Like you don't need to carry that along, just, but use the data from it yep. to go, oh, here's some data. You know, I didn't follow through on this. What is this telling me? Is this something that I actually want to do? Is something more important? Or is there some deeper fear? And that's where working with a good coach can really help you to, yeah. if you can't do that yourself. You know, it's so funny because, you know, we talked about leadership development being personal development. And I would say that what has helped me the most, and I've been on this path since 1994, so it's been a few years now, um, it has is, not. <laughs> is, is not doing it alone, you know? So for me, yep. I'm a huge fan of group process because when other people are looking at their issues, suddenly I go, oh, those are my issues. Thank you very much. So I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not alone in my suffering. And something too, I, I don't know if this was actually in this recording or if we were talking about it before, but when I was saying about the best friend or your villain, yeah. right? The inner, the inner dialogue that comes along with this lovely brain that we all function with. Yeah. And it's just a question of, if you want simple perspective, think of it this way. Should have, could have, would have, shame, guilt, fear, all these things anchor us heavily. It anchors us and it binds us. It keeps us from being these incredibly powerful beings out in the world that are overflowing, unconditional, and absolutely amazing in all that we do, because you can be that. So when you're in those moments of shame and guilt and fear, and we were all brought up with shame and guilt, oh, and some of you more than others, and me, oh, the guilt factor and the shame factor was huge in my house. So we're trained. These are original meanings for us, right? There's shame and guilt yeah. around these things. Ask yourself, what would my best friend do? Would they sit there and shame me and guilt me and make me feel like I'm super small and terrible? Of course they wouldn't. They'd put their arm around me and they'd love me. What does that mean? How do I give that to myself? So in those moments when you're starting to feel like, oh, I should have done this and I should have that and uh, should have, could have, would have all over yourself. Take that moment to be your best friend. What would your best friend say here? Be your best friend. These moments will change your life drastically if you can stop the judgment. And I, I say this coming off a very interesting period of like a good solid month of judging myself <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I'm human. And, you know, you just talked about having other people there with you, recognizing that, hey, you're on, you're on this journey too. There is something beyond powerful in having the view of someone on the outside that's not yeah. emotionally attached, that's not bringing forward all of their original meanings and their old programming, and that can see it for what it is and say, wait, 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 what are you doing here? It's, it's time 
it's time to look at this and this is how we're going to do it and i'm totally here with you to ride this storm through Brenda, i love how you said the fact that you know as people are going through this that you can have the shame and the blame and the judgment, but having someone like a best friend, what would they say? And recognizing that, as you said just recently, you came through your own wave of self-judgment oh, self again. <laughs> and I think, you know, this is one of the myths of personal development is the idea that you know, you're going to look at an issue and then you're going to create some kind of cathartic resolution. And then that issue is going to be gone for the rest of your life. It's like, no, it's going to come back. And I think some of us, when we first experience it back, like, oh, I'm a failure. You know, because we think other or people- Or have... I'm a fraud. And yeah. I, that was, the, full disclosure here, that was me over this last little bit. I'm like, but I'm not perfect. I'm not living what I preach. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm human. I'm human. You're exactly. human. We experience things in life that throw us off our yeah. best game. And so what do we do to bring ourselves back in? And honestly, I can honestly say it was <laughs> a little prodding from a coach. <laughs> She asked me very few questions. I led myself down my own road and went, oh my goodness, am I ever judging myself right now? Holy cow, have I ever done this? And I'm recognizing all these things that I wasn't seeing because I had that person to bounce it off. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. It depends yeah. on your level of awareness. And I tend to be hyper aware. And again, that's where sometimes the judgment comes in, in yeah. tenfold. Yeah, no, Exactly. Exactly. And so for me, as I think about this journey of personal development is when that issue comes up again, and it will, yeah. is to make like, it's like you're seeing an old friend. Oh, there you are. Oh, guilt. <laughs> you know, here you are. And, and then but what I find is over time with the same issue coming up again and again, is I learn to carry it a little more lightly and have right. a little bit more humor with it or hold it softly in a way that allows me to be able to move through or process through the situation more either more quickly or less intensely so it yep. doesn't hook me as much as it did the last time you're and, releasing the emotional attachment to that yeah that yeah. And, original experience that perpetuates slightly yeah. different each time but yes yeah that's amazing i'm reading this book right now that has been absolutely fantastic and there's oh, there's so many good books out there about emotional detachment mm -hmm. and <laughs> okay so I read uh, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth when I was in my 20s and I'll never forget reading this one section in the book and it just it did not resonate in any way shape or form and it was about unconditional love but the way he described it was love without attachment and I was like how do you love something without attachment that makes no sense to me at all until yeah. it does <laughs> exactly until you understand unconditional where there is no attachment to expectation or anything else you just let things be what they are for themselves to be what they are it took me a long time to understand that but i'm reading this book right now called letting go and it's it's um it's about emotional attachment and i do talks i've done talks all over the world on um releasing trauma without the emotional attachment mm -hmm. and how, how to move through traumas. And I look at traumas very much from a space of we all have life experiences, original meanings or original programs that are destructive to us. Mm -hmm. And mine is not the same as yours, even if we experienced the same thing. Sure. My 
experiences around it create something different for me so I can't compare myself to you. And we do a massive disservice to ourselves and those around us when we compare ourselves to anybody else from that space. Because more often people will go, oh, that's so terrible. Mine's so good. Like mine's nothing in comparison. Therefore, yeah. I should be grateful. Yes, you should be grateful, but not for that reason. Yeah. You should be grateful because there's gifts in everything we experience, regardless of how we perceive it. The book Letting Go is, honestly, it's incredible. He talks about emotional attachment and how to start allowing the emotion to just be what it is. Because emotions are chemical reactions in our body. Yeah. It's what follows those chemical reactions. From a, neuro, from a neuroscience space, you're literally, each thought you have perpetuates another release of a chemical reaction, the emotion. And it moves through your body, and it moves through your body, and it moves through your body. And it's your thoughts that are generating that spiral, yeah. not the emotion. It perpetuates the emotion over and over and over again. And the emotion very often is, again, based on something in the original meanings. You looked at me, you smiled, therefore this means this. Yeah. I'm placing meaning. I need to have those, those understandings of what this world is. And you're really going back to something very primitive. And you can move so far beyond that. Yes, feelings are drivers. They absolutely drive us. But they can drive us in such incredible ways, too, when we see that these ones are anchoring us, binding us, holding us in a space that don't, don't help us. So what do I want to, what do I want to um, rise to? I want to rise to joy. I want to rise to curiosity. I'm curious in all people. I want to experience the essence of every person because it's so beautiful. Curiosity sits at such an incredible high vibration. Why would I want to sink down and stay in something that binds me out of that space where I can't discover someone's beauty, where I can't discover the beauty of a situation, where I can't experience life for what it really is offering us? And that doesn't matter what setting it's placed in. Yeah. Yeah, as you say that, it makes me think, why wouldn't I do that? It's like, well, I wouldn't if my central nervous system is so aroused <laughs> that I basically can't get out of my own ego, right? Right. I'm, you know, right. Was, you know, as D.H. Lawrence in one of his poems writes about, you know, when we get out of the glass bottles of our own ego, right? And that's, I just love that expression of, you know, we're in our own glass bottles or glass houses. We can see and, and through, but... We can see through, but we're stuck, in, <laughs> we're, we're stuck inside. So like, yeah, yeah, if I'm so stuck in my own world my yeah. own stuff i don't really want to be curious because i'm plenty busy ruminating on my own stuff i don't have the i don't have the i don't have the cognitive bandwidth basically right. because i'm too activated and this is why this process and practice of self-awareness of growth is of so essential yeah. yeah it's so essential to being able to live a more full and to use your word powerful life and rich it just becomes so rich and the relationships are so giving. My friend and I were talking about this the other day about the relationships we have. And I, I kind of made myself, I, I made a declaration a few years ago that I wasn't going to live shallowly. 
So mm -hmm. my conversations with people are almost always like this, right mm -hmm. from the minute I meet them. <laughs> because I don't want to talk to you about things that are shallow. Although sometimes, I mean, we talk about yeah. the weather, we talk about other things, but I like to get to the goods of someone. I'm curious, I'm wondrous. It's such a beautiful place to discover. Yeah. And so why wouldn't I want to go there with someone? Because I think you add to that person. You give them such a gift in those moments when you allow them to be truly themselves, to, to show who they are. And you empower people in those situations. So why wouldn't I want to give that all the time? Why wouldn't you want to give that all the time? Right? Yeah. So we're talking about the gifts we give each other and the power we have in the relationships. And again, it doesn't matter what setting this is in. It doesn't matter if it's personal, professional, intimate, whatever. I have some of the most extremely beautiful moments with my boys because we go deeper than the video games they play. Yeah. <sighs> That's an endless battle. <laughs> I have a 16-year-old son. I know all yeah. about video games. <laughs> video so games. it's interesting, though, because as you're talking about this, Brandy, about you're, you're wanting to create this depth of conversation and relationship with people, what I'm seeing and hearing from you is you're modeling the culture you want to create, and that's leadership, right? So you could wait for someone else to go first, and you can hang out at the shallow level, which I think a lot of us do. A lot of us like, well... Because it's I'll, safe and comfortable yeah. there. And I'll take my cues off somebody else, because ultimately... The conversation will only go as deep as the leader is willing to risk their own vulnerability. So you've right. gotten to a place in your own life where you're comfortable going, this is who I am. Screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm going there, right? Screw <laughs> it. I'm, I'm doing this. And you're welcome to come with me or you can just look at me like I've got two heads and that's cool too, whatever, right? So, <laughs> um, so, but that's just, you know that about yourself. And I think we keep coming back. Know that about where do you get to know that about yourself through self awareness? So we keep coming back to that theme again and again. How it's sort of it's the catalyst for all the other development work that we do. How well you know yourself really does reflect how well you can lead people and the and the productivity you can get out of them. Yeah, you said it right at the beginning when you were. I think this was in this recording. I'm really hoping so. We, we had a conversation prior to this recording. So uh, it, I'm hoping that this was in it. But in the very beginning, we were talking about people when they feel valued, connected, um, inspired, engaged, will give everything to that cause. Yes. If I am if I am truly on board with the vision of the company and I feel like my input is valued, I work longer hours, which wouldn't feel necessarily like work. Sometimes it will, but a lot of times it won't because I'm really connected with what I'm doing. There's my deeper why in attached. Hello, Simon Sinek. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also going to, I'm also going to, sometimes work for less money. I'm like, people will come in droves when you can connect them and show them that they're valuable. Because deep down, we want to all know that we're connected to something bigger. We want to know that we're all valued. That's ego-based, but not. It's filling us. And we've talked numerous times throughout this about great leaders help fill you 
and what is important to you and help you elevate and connect you to a bigger, a bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's, I think what we do as leaders is we, I mean, some, some, we say we, we traffic in hope, right? <laughs> we, we deal in hope, but we do it in not just an airy fairy way is that we start with real connection, you know, showing empathy or let's say <laughs> even love. Yeah. Faith, hope. Um, it starts with that. It, 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 as you say, faith, it makes me think, yeah, what's the belief underneath? Again, if the belief underneath is I want you to surpass me, right? That actually I have a belief and a faith that the world can be even better tomorrow than it is today. Yeah. Right. That is such a positive, that is in a positive and very attractive state to be in. Because if someone has a vision for that, sign me up. I'm all interested in that. So that's right. really, that's really important for sure. Oh, I hate saying goodbye when the conversation I is know. so amazing. I know. <sighs> Yeah, I have a hard stop in three minutes, by the way. I just I put know. it in the chat, so I wasn't I sure. I saw so. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alain, it has been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. If people want to get a hold of you, or actually, I'm going to make sure that we have information in the show notes sure. about the book, yeah. which is really, really exciting. And obviously, you've had a very good taste of how Alain's mind works. And so what you'll kind of get in this book yeah. and the perspective he takes leadership from and offers to you. So I'm, I'm excited to share that with everyone. That's great. Yeah. Basically, you know, easiest way to find it because my name is not always easily spelled. Um, if people want to go to www.crackingtheleadershipcode, the book.com, crackingtheleadershipcode.com. The book has its own webpage and you can actually download the first chapter there as a preview and get a little taste of the book while you're there. Ooh, and then also tasters. links right <laughs> also links right to my website and people can learn all about I do obviously coaching, training, consulting and speaking for individuals, groups and organizations. So if people want to reach out, also feel free to send me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to continue the conversation. I will definitely put all of these details in the show notes. Thank you again for being a part of our community here at Fear It Goes, Ellie. It's oh, been Brandy, such a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. It's been awesome. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, I absolutely adore people. And I love seeing discussions that help people evolve, that expand people's awareness and consciousness, and that allow you beautiful listeners to really start to question the things that aren't working in your life and take action to allow the things that you want to come into your life. Take action. Say yes to the coach, the guide, the person that's going to take you on that journey. Because like I said, it was a very hard lesson for me to learn that I will forever be the student in this life, as well as the teacher, and that there is no shame, no guilt, and absolutely no pride that I now hold for not being the student just as much as I am the teacher. <sighs> Leadership comes from within you and all of us have it in us to be incredible leaders. I hope you took a lot from today's messages and I hope you take action. Definitely take a look at Alan's book, 
You'll find all the details in the show notes. And if you are looking for that guide, that Sherpa, the one who has been on the journey, reach out. My details are in the show notes. Alain's details are in the show notes. Leadership is truly within your grasp. All you got to do is make the decision and take the leap and then get some training. (laughs) Sometimes it's just guidance. It's guidance and it's a willingness. Until next week, my beautiful peeps, um, I'll give you a little heads up. Next week, we have a very special guest talking about safety. And it's a very beautiful viewpoint, which she takes this from. And it's very insightful. Cannot wait to share this with you. So until next week, my beautiful, beautiful souls, go out and do something for someone else. Go out and show your incredible leader within and have an absolutely extraordinary week.